Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Wow, crazy first day of free agency, and I should say first few hours of free agency because we're recording this at night, the wee hours of July 1st. A number of signings, I think we've seen 18 so far already. The speculation that LeBron James might slow things down has not occurred in the slightest. In fact, because it seems like there's really only three teams he might go to at this point, all the teams that are out of the LeBron Derby really felt no reason why they shouldn't go. And with cap space at a premium, around the league it seemed like players weren't like oh i'm gonna wait and see if the lakers might be interested if lebron doesn't go there or something like that so or or philly might be interested if lebron doesn't go there they are taking the money where it is and a lot of interesting stuff to get to a lot of interesting takeaways it did not go i think the way we expected it to but why don't we start danny with just the cap being set and all of the associated exception amounts which are now slave to the cap increase as well what do we get here from the NBA uh, on the eve of July 1st. So we got a couple interesting things. So first of all, the estimate was 101 million ended up being a little bit higher than that. 101, 869,000. That extra 869,000 runs into a lot of of other areas that raises the luxury tax level, which is 123,733,000. And that has all these ripple effects since everything is tied to the cap amount now. So the minimums are a little bit higher than we thought they would be. The middle level exceptions are a little bit higher than we thought they would be and all that kind of stuff. But the piece that I want to focus on there, partially because that was so close to expectations, is actually what happened for future years. So I have been openly skeptical of the league's $108 million estimate for the 2019-20 season. Well, they just upgraded it by a million dollars. Now that is $109 million. And then 2020-21 is now up to 116. And there isn't really anything that I've seen in terms of, you know, a, a specific rationale for this that the league has lots of information information that they're working from, of course, but that has big implications for where this is going in the future. Yeah. And it makes more sense because you're like, oh man, the cap only went up 2 million last year. Like, how is it going to go up by 8 million and then 7 million the year after that? Well, remember that last year, the cap was actually artificially inflated as it was the year before, because NBA teams as profligate as they were, did not actually spend enough relative to revenue. And so when that doesn't happen, because there's just such a big cap, increase they spent a lot more than we thought they would they got a lot closer to the amount that they're kind of supposed to spend because of revenue and so the cap has a built-in increase for the next year to allow spending to catch up to the cap essentially so if it were based solely on revenue which in most years it is unless teams don't spend enough in the aggregate which rarely happened unless there's a mass cap increase the cap quote-unquote should have been 94 million last year and so this year's 101 now where teams are spending enough there's no kind of artificial 
boost because they haven't spent enough in previous years and baked into this year's 101 now you think of it as okay it actually went up in terms of revenue enough to bump the cap up by 7 million this year from 94 to 101 but because last year's cap already had this artificial increase up to 99 that's why you're not seeing nearly as much of an increase this year but the revenue is just continuing to expand you know around this seven or eight percent per year and that's big news obviously for some of these tax out teams and i think with that news for 2019 and then 2020 when all those bad contracts from 2016 come off the book as well though i'm sure there will be plenty of stretching of that before then to allow teams to access that money earlier happy days should be here again for free agents over the next two years with those healthy increases this year with the smaller cap increase with all the teams in the tax with teams having budgeted for a bigger increase this year than actually occurred this is really kind of a one-time blip and we've seen some of the deals so far reflect that so i think we should probably start here with just a, we can save our overall themes i guess till the end let's just get right into it i think the biggest news paul george no drama whatsoever the tea leaves had started to indicate that he was going to return to oklahoma city in the last couple of weeks but i think the contract type was a massive surprise in okc a three plus one for paul george that three plus one will basically cover the rest of paul george's prime he will that player option will occur for after shortly after his 31st birthday so you know you never know exactly what it's going to be but it, it does pretty much cover that range and this is a gargantuan decision around the league and also of course for the oklahoma city thunder for a bunch of different reasons for the thunder now they have a remarkable amount of stability in terms of their financial core now we'll talk about the dangers of that stability but russell westbrook you know under contract with that super max extension steven adams still has i believe four years left on his contract and three and then paul george now with three plus one that that is in no way a guarantee that those players will all be there for the entirety of their contracts many things can happen but they are now in in a place where they have those those three pieces for the long term and i mean you had i I had seen some of that speculation of like oh if paul george leaves maybe they're gonna have to consider trading russell westbrook and all that well that's not going to be occurring for a while now this team is going to be together it is going to be ludicrously expensive but they will be together yeah we'll get to the expense in a little bit i I just don't understand why it would be a three plus one for paul george first there'd been talk of a one plus one really probably what made the most sense perhaps if you wanted to maximize future income would have been the two plus one to where he could have gotten onto the market again with 10 years of experience to get that 35 percent max he's of course ineligible to get that earlier because he was traded away from the pacers but for george i also thought hey maybe you know what it would be just the fifth year in oklahoma city that could be the difference and maybe you should lock in there and i think there's something to be said for the idea that he might might should have done that anyway, because that would have had him making over 40 million in that fifth year would have had him making 43 million in that fifth year not oh, i'm sorry no that's uh next year he would have made him right at 40 million 40.3 million in that fifth year and paul george just the history of guys who are kind of around his range you know your 15th to 20th best player in the league remember he's also coming off a knee surgery here too we don't know how how much that's going to affect first surgery of his career on his knee obviously that horrific broken leg but you would think okay that fifth year there's no way anyone's going to pay me 40 million for that year when i'm 32 so i i should probably just get the the five year get a four plus one and the history of guys who've signed these type of contracts that you know who are at his level in the league at age 28 by the time they get to their early 30s you know they're not really worth these contracts and you know and so that's why i think you might say jordan be wise to go for five years if you did the one plus one you could say okay he's gonna check it out in oklahoma city a little bit longer and then maybe he could lock in for the five years after next year still and get another year on the tail end 
especially with the cap going up more next year you know about seven or eight percent that might have been an idea too or you could say the two plus one because then you get back on the market for the 35 percent max although i don't know that he would necessarily command that two years from now so this is the one thing that really doesn't make any particular sense at all frankly uh you know maybe the thought is okay three years from now i'll still be able to command a big contract i'll still be that good but again i think the history of guys at his level in the league even two years in and certainly three years in you know age 31 we'd be talking about don't see him as a max player at that point in time and you could very easily see him just opting into that that fourth year which would be worth 37.9 million dollars i mean i I would bet more likely than not that he opts into that as of now and i would be very surprised if even over the what'll be his age 32 and 33 seasons years four and five of this contract if he ends up making as much as he could have with that five five years so i guess he just really wanted to lock in to oklahoma city but i still just don't understand not doing the four plus one in that but we'll see maybe i'll end up wrong and he'll age better i think he has the potential to age pretty well but nonetheless yeah it's a big risk especially when you consider the amount of reliance he has on his athleticism he's not like it's it's not like a, a player like levine or something like that who it's it's even more reliant but uh as those players age especially to me he has never seemed like that super cerebral defender you know those guys can age a little bit better on that end of the floor and also we've talked before about how his ball handling isn't as good as i would like it to be and so that's another thing that can help a player age a little bit better and his jump shooting is improved but it still could, could get better um so my yeah, big... yeah, yeah go ahead so you, you're Go still ahead. talking about george right yeah yes of course yeah so to get a little bit big picture here what i find so fascinating about this circumstance and again a player can make a decision on whatever basis they want i am not criticizing paul george for this in any way he is entitled to make his own opinion and to make his own decision do what he wants what's so strange for me about this is this is a, a, a talented oklahoma city team for sure you know they have this high-end talent i mean we, we know what russ and paul george are and steven adams can be a nice supporting piece but a it's going to be incredibly hard for them to improve from this point i mean they can do minimum contracts and things like that we'll talk about their financial stuff but also there is this lingering question and kevin pelton got into it a little bit in his piece for espn insider about just how good this team actually is i mean they are certainly you know talented but i wouldn't put them above the warriors or the rockets next year and while you can say hey being the potentially and we don't know where everything is going the third best team in the league is is valuable and oklahoma city their ownership can do whatever the hell they want i as a kind of as a basketball fan i'm a little bit disappointed in this as happy as i am for oklahoma city and their fans because this team does to me doesn't have the ceiling that some of paul george's other options do. yeah i think that puts uh, my feelings or, or encapsulates my feelings as well and I, I just you know what i would love to know what it was about oklahoma city that really i mean the culture they checked the boxes I and mean, he and russell westbrook apparently really enjoyed each other as people russ made the effort perhaps in ways that he couldn't you know where they had all this baggage between he and kitty over years and years and years uh i mean i'm not sure what it was about oklahoma city's performance on the court last year that so enticed paul george i mean maybe they just are like oh well we didn't have robertson that was the problem although you know i, I don't think robertson would have necessarily even made the difference against the jazz not to mention houston or golden state and yeah i just you know i wish that i like to see the best basketball in may and june as possible with the best players on the best team and this is a step away from there i really don't see it what the path contention is russell westbrook a player extremely reliant on athleticism making a ton of money his uh, max contract kicks in this year at 35.7 million that contract is now set uh, all those players uh, who signed uh, designated player veteran extent the, the the max there the 35 percent max 35.7 million steven adams don't see him like getting that much better he's, he could get a little better but 
I don't see him be- taking the leap to like star status. Robertson is coming off a, a torn patellar tendon and can't shoot, probably never will be able to. And then they re-signed Jeremy Grant, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Mello might play a little better this year. He could, can't possibly play worse than he did last year if he's going to stick around, although I remain skeptical of that. Maybe they can get a little more out of Patrick Patterson. I mean, you know, maybe they could make it to the second round this year. That wouldn't be completely ridiculous to me, depending on the matchup. I think they could have, if they hadn't gotten a, a really bad matchup for them in the Jazz, they probably would have made a second round last year. But again, you know, I really, you know, this is parody. I'm not really for parody in the NBA, to be honest. Like, I want to see the best basketball in the playoffs. I, I was rooting him for go, to go to Philly, probably number one, where he would have just been an unbelievable fifth. That was just apparently never even cards. And then, uh, or LA. And, and it's just amazing that the Lakers, after all this, didn't even get a meeting. I mean, that that's insane, considering where the reporting was uh, shortly before he was traded to Oklahoma City. So, great job by the Thunder. I mean, it, this is what they needed to do. They made the risk uh, trying to sign Paul George. They It didn't work out as well, but George coming off surgery, Westbrook going to be, I think, 30 this year. It's really, I don't see how they get better from from even last year. You know, maybe with Robertson back, they're a little bit better, but I, I don't see what the championship upside is. They're also still out. You know, they don't have any real young players in the pipeline other than Terrence Ferguson. They, they didn't get a chance to make a draft pick this year because of the Ennis Cantor trade. Uh, and they still have, are out of pick in 2020, although not entirely because of the Jeremy Grant trade. You, you want to talk about his resigning a little bit here? Yeah, let's do it. So Jeremy Grant, three years, 27 million. And that last year is a player option, which is absolutely massive. We'll talk a little bit later about some of the big picture stuff yep. with some of these 2020, player options. 2020, but... that's the year. Mm-hmm. And so Jeremy Grant, a player that I like, I actually signed him to a similar deal to this with the Brooklyn Nets in the mock-off season. And it was, this is a little richer than I did. And he didn't have a player option on that last year, which is for, for those who are thinking about this, player options are all options are always advantageous to the party that holds it if you assume they act rationally. So that means that it's disadvantageous to the other side. So if Jeremy Grant, if it's a if the Thunder would want him to opt in, he'll opt out. And if they would want him to opt out, he'll opt in. That's the way you have to assume it. There are times where the, t- where the situation is more simpatico, but generally it's not the case. And I like Jeremy Grant. I think that he can be a good player, but he has limitations as a, you know, as an overall offensive yeah. player. And defensively, like I, I like I like what he can do, but it's not just like this massive amount of untapped potential. And so I'm sitting there going, okay, you give this guy high-end backup money. That's about what nine million a year is in, in the current thing, especially with the cost and the luxury tax and everything else like that. And I'm going, okay, well, that's that's fine. But what are you getting from him that is so special that you had to make sure to, to secure his services? Yeah, and to get that player up to you, you're not necessarily keeping him for the long term. I, I, I wouldn't consider this. The hope was you sign long-term deals, and we've seen a lot of short-term deals here, but you sign a long-term deal in this market to get a guy on what's hopefully a longer-term team-friendly contract. However, worth noting, of course, that they did have full bird rights on and they had no way to replace him he was a very important contributor for them if they were to move on from anthony he's probably their starting four and if he actually can start for you at the four and do a good job you know that that's totally decent money i mean i think it's it's similar to what jamichael green got last year you know i think those guys kind of somewhat similar players i just i don't believe that grant can ever really develop into a a good enough shooter to keep the defense honest at, at power forward i mean he's had four years and really hasn't made much progress from downtown so far i mean i do think that he adds a lot in terms of just the force that he plays with and when okc really ramps up the defense he's got switchability as well which i really like in mobility he can get out and transition plays hard you know if he could shoot a little better i mean he'd probably be a 15 million dollar a year player uh in, in a normal market but there is some thought that maybe they had to overpay because they had no way to replace him this is the only way that they could give out a contract for more than the taxpayer emily and i think it, it, we expected that grant might get something for more than the taxpayer which of course starts at uh 
5.3 million this year and you can give out up to a three-year contract with five percent raises and we'll see what kind of players go for the full MLA. i mean maybe we'll look back on this and say hey you know the opportunity cost here wasn't high this could also just be a part of their pitch to bring back george as well as like hey we got jeremy grant in the bag we're gonna sign him and, and george apparently really liked what their team did last year uh so i, I mean I'll, this isn't a killer i mean i think this could end up being a fine contract you know you just think of what is jeremy grant is he a bench player uh, well you know then this is a little bit of dicey uh, of a contract i mean this is basically the mid-level exception for three years and you would think that there are gonna be better players available for that amount of money even though of course they couldn't give that out this year but whether you try to figure out what there's gonna be a value contract for but this, this isn't bad i think the, this is fine he could grow into this contract i understand why they did it i i am surprised that they that it was quite this high and also that they had to give up the player option let's talk about their finance now they as of this moment it was something we haven't discussed nearly enough they're actually in the repeater tax this year which adds an extra dollar for every band that you're in so it would normally be 150 for the first five million dollars that you're into the tax now it's 250 then it would be 175 for the second five million dollars now it's 275 etc so they're in the tax in 2015 2016 and then last year as well carmelo anthony who his struggles uh, uh, last year have been well chronicled on this program is due 27.9 million this season the fifth year of that contract that he signed in the summer of 2014 the phil jackson the nick and if they were to stretch him they would reduce their repeater tax bill right now their team salary plus repeater tax projects to 289.9 million dollars which would be by far the large payroll in nba history if they just simply stretch mellow so spread his contract out for the next three years the way you do the stretch revision is double the number of years remaining in the contract plus one so a one-year contract you spread out over three years and you reduce that to 180 million so they could save over 100 million dollars and it actually would get even worse the same as get even greater because we're not even having them filling out the roster right now they only have 11 players on our contract they could save over 100 million dollars if they just stretch carmelo anthony i mean yeah maybe they told paul george they would keep mellow around or you know but this is a guy who hurt them in the playoffs last year and they could save 100 million dollars by stretching him and now you know we could see them do what they did in the mock off season maybe they could move abrinas or patterson kyle singler you would think is going to get traded or certainly is going to get strut you know so so that's it's not going to end up being 100 million dollars when they stretch him when it's all said and done but it just seems like with the production he provided there's just there's no way he can be on here it seems i mean maybe if they got rid of abrinas and patterson and singler but that, then you got to give up draft assets to do that as well right like why not just stretch carmelo and, and i mean they're not gonna have cap room next year anyway they could be that could the, adding nine million the next couple of years could put them into the tax the next couple years so maybe they feel like they need to just bite the bullet this year and that they should try to trade some of those smaller contracts first but it's just i mean that is just so much money and Me- Melo still has a no trade clause so they can try to do some things there but he's going to do whatever's best for for Melo as he should you know he owes that to himself and whatever they want to talk about with a buyout i think he knows that he has serious he has the upper hand and depending on how they structure it i mean if if all he wants is the minimum somewhere there those spots will be available for him those aren't evaporating so if he wants to join his buddy lebron james wherever lebron is if he wants to go anywhere houston whatever they can they can do that and he can kind of call their bluff on that and again he has control over the process so you have that and then another part of this that's really important to understand is that even though oklahoma city has this the first round pick though it is this is actually way more interesting now so they have this strange thing in the jeremy grant trade where they traded a their 2020 first round pick was actually two years after the ns Kander one but we saw what we saw that that converted this year and so okc then the, the orlando because philly traded the pick only gets it if it's from 21 to 30 in 2020 which is now more likely than it would have been before but that matters in terms of the stepian rule it matters in terms 
terms of a lot of other things. So it's a lot more difficult for Oklahoma City to trade assets to unload money. They can do it. I mean, there are always ways that you can make that happen, but it is going to be very difficult for them. All right, so much more to get to, and we're going to talk about every signing, obviously, how much cap space is left around the league, what trends have emerged thus far. But first, we got to talk about Blue Apron. In honor of summer, Blue Apron is now offering delicious meals that are great on the grill, like honey chipotle glazed chicken with poblano and lime rice. Lime rice is awesome. That's one of my favorites. A couple other meals that they have for next week. Beef shawarma bowls. I really have enjoyed a lot of the Middle Eastern flavors that Blue Apron has provided. They're getting better and better. They've got even more flexibility than they used to. You could choose from two, three, or four weekly recipes based on what fits your schedule. My fiance and I, we usually do the two times a week, the four-person recipes, so that we actually have some leftovers. If you don't know what Blue Apron is, it is a food delivery service. They send all the ingredients pre-portioned, so much less expensive than trying to make these meals from the grocery store, especially because you got to buy these way bigger packages than what you need. Whereas Blue Apron, they send you these fresh ingredients right to your door once a week. The way to get started with Blue Apron, you can get your first three meals free at blueapron.com slash capspace slash capspace. So apropos, because uh, during this time of year, it's probably the best episode ever to have that slash capspace URL. Blueapron.com slash capspace to get your first three meals free. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Blueapron.com slash capspace. That'll let them know that you came from us, that slash capspace URL. Well, where would you like to go next, Danny? What's, what do you, would you consider the second biggest uh, news out of this day? Even though I think at least a portion of it was understood, I think we should go to Denver. I mean, they committed a lot of money. So they did two big things. They uh, gave Nicole Jokic, they declined that team option to make him a restricted free agent as opposed to picking it up at was at the minimum and making him unrestricted next year, which would have carried a ton of risk. And they got him to agree to a five-year max contract. It seems like what happened is in these circuits, like they could basically, they were kind of, the two ways this can go is either get a player option on the last year and give some money back or you get five years, you know, so so that you don't don't have the risk of the guy leaving after four. So for five years, 148 million. Then the other move they made is they signed Will Barton. There has been a little bit of discrepancy in terms of the numbers, four years with a fourth year player option. But uh, Chris Haynes has 54 million. Mannix has 50 million. That could just be what what incentives and all that kind of stuff. So somewhere in the low 50s is probably a fair way of putting it. And considering all of the money that Denver has on the books for this year and the fact that they did not use the number 14 overall pick to unload any of that money it's certainly notable yeah let's talk about their money situation first now Jokic he's up to that 25.5 million to start season now Barton his starting salary assuming they give the maximum possible raises on that 4-4 which I would imagine 12 million again that could be a little bit less but now Denver 23.9 million dollars over the tax with 14 players uh they also have a restricted free agent hold for their two-way guy Tory Craig who they might want to bring back but they really need a backup point guard they don't have any backup point guard on the roster right now they really only have one point guard on the roster and that's jamal murray and even he some would consider him not a point guard i think he's fine there and obviously since they have Plumley, since they have Jokic, they're able to run a lot of the offense through there so i don't think that's like a, a death knell but they have had problems at backup point guard before and they need someone who's, who's useful maybe they could bring back devin harris at the minimum uh but you know he might have a little bit better offers as well so denver right now is looking at a 59.6 million dollar luxury tax payment this is another team even more so than okc where they don't have the draft picks going forward okc at least you know this is their fourth year out of five in the tax so either in the repeater tax they've at least shown the willingness to pay it what by the way what dreadful irony for okc to, i mean I, I always thought that maybe the whole tax thing was overblown as far as why hard trade i've heard conflicting stories on that of whether it was a sam Presti decision or or an ownership hey you get we can't pay the tax 
tax and sam you deal with that situation uh but to have paid the tax and being the repeater tax and having a massive luxury tax bill and to have lost harden and you know perhaps lost durant because they lost hard you know is a bitter pill to swallow but nonetheless for denver a team that certainly hasn't paid the tax anytime recently they don't even have a g league franchise they've been operating you know around the minimum salary now they've banked a lot of money hopefully during those times banked a lot of revenue sharing during those times so maybe, maybe they have a little bit of a war chest but there's just nothing in this organization's history that makes me think that they are going to pay anywhere near 60 million dollars tax and so they did get barton back we'll talk about what we think of that contract in, in a vacuum anyway but so they've got kenneth farid 13.8 million wilson chandler 12.8 million he opted in and Darrell arthur 7.5 million so two of those three guys have probably got to go maybe mason Plumley could be another one I, that could go as well i mean chandler is still a useful player that part of what they told barton apparently is that he's going to be their new starting three man and get to that too so now it's just the question of what's the price for that going to be i mean they basically have to do this and so well unfortunately you've got sacramento who can't really take in two of those salaries and then you've got chicago and atlanta who both of whom probably could i think depending on who it is atlanta might have struggles but you know atlanta is, is maybe being talked about in the restricted free agent market and uh, so you're totally over a barrel now denver there's plenty of other teams that need to cut salary as well i mean is one first round pick even going to be enough and this is where i you know obviously the Plumley contract is the one that's really killing now right i mean Fareed, chandler arthur i mean those are killing them too chandler i think you know is more useful obviously than Fareed and arthur at the point i didn't hate those contracts when they were signed i think all of them you, you understood what the thinking was behind it Plumley was the one where like oh man what are they doing and like you know just to re-sign Plumley when you know you have to sign barton and you know you have these tax concerns you know you already signed paul Millsap, and now you're just you're gonna have to give up a first round pick so so you could think of this in a couple of ways i mean the Plumley decision you know we obviously killed that but will barton okay you're signing him to this deal which i think is probably a little bit above where he is as a player especially when you're talking about the three which is a little bit of a weird fit and now you're basically you know having to give up a first round pick because you signed will barton you know i mean so that's that's another way to think about this is and, and now they probably they would have had to fill out the roster they would have had to get someone else to replace him which maybe they felt they just couldn't do that and they were going to have to give up that first round pick even before they signed will barton maybe that's a thought but what do you think danny unless you have anything else to add on the financial picture of just you know what this contract is how he looks as their starting three man going forward if in fact that's uh, what's going to happen per chris Haynes. i have one other thing i want to say about their financial future and that is looking a year ahead to 2019 and so you and i had talked about when we did their offseason preview about this idea that oh you know depending on how this all works out with Millsap and everything else like denver could be a cap space team in 2019 because they have this short-term pain but all these guys expire well that's not as clear anymore because as i have it right now not including minimum roster holds and anything like that they're looking at about 21 million for that year and that includes Millsap being gone entirely so really this is their team i mean that is the way that it has to be thought about maybe they could add one more piece but with in next year's market again they're they're not and the other thing too is you're just like man they just don't they still don't have anybody who can defend at the three right i mean that's what this team needs long term if you're going to build around harris and Jokic and jamal murray and so it's just like now you're you're there's a lot of opportunity cost the summer of 2019 as you're starting to say that right so they don't have really have another option to to dip into that market too hard i mean they they could do that but then if they lose Millsap, you get into all these other issues unless michael porter comes on way earlier than we would have expected and the the other big problem for them which is also true with oklahoma city and i was going to bring it up there is that they also just don't have these value contracts it's hard for them to get out of money the players that are under contract they want to keep and then the other players are undesirable mason Plumley making 13 and 14 million for those two years wilson chandler darrell arthur free so that's a big a big problem because you just can't you can't get there's no quick fix here unless a team horrendously overvalues one of those players which is certainly possible 
possible. It's happened before. But then you get into the thing of, okay, this is our team now. And this is paralleling OKC again. This is our team now. What are you? And I would say that they could be a playoff team. Remember that they did have some bad injury luck, but it wasn't, you know, Millsap missed a bun- missed, missed a, a batch of time, but that can happen to any team. It wasn't, you know, this catastrophic cascade of all these other injuries happening. And that would have, you know, if Millsap had been healthy, they probably would have been like maybe the six seed. Do you think that's fair? Maybe. I mean, it wasn't fitting in that well, but, you know, it only yeah. would have taken two more yeah, so, wins. But what I'm talking about there, is like, yeah. you're not an elite, like you're, you're in all likelihood, the team that they are, that they have just committed to bar, you know, in the interim is kind of a, a one and out team. And they're, that's fine if that's what you are. But remember, their core is incredibly young. So if they had been patient with this and this, you could go to the Plumlee contract, you could go to, to Will Barton and all this kind of stuff. They could have put themselves in a position to be a lot better in a couple of years when those guys are actually ready for prime time. And teams are notoriously impatient in this period where they've been good, but not good enough. And it's just, it, it, it all often leads to these outcomes where they just really cut off their ceiling to raise their floor just a little bit. Yeah. And all this, of course, reeks of pressure. This, you know, we've all we've been hearing is, oh man, they just, they desperately want to make the playoff. Okay. I mean, you've got, that just shouldn't be your mindset when you have three great young pieces in Harris, Murray, and Jokic. And also worth talking about here, you know, Will Barton is still going to be under contract for two years once Jamal Murray is going to require probably a 20 million or more per season contract if he continues to grow the way they want. And then, you know, you're going to have Jokic, Murray, and Harris probably making a combined 70 million just between those guys. And so again, Barton is just, you know, he's, it would have been a lot of pain to lose him this year, right? I mean, that that's definitely true. And now, and it's going to be a lot of pain instead to lose a first round pick going forward. Although again, maybe that was fait accompli anyway, but it just taking a little bit of a step back, just acknowledging, hey, you know what? Like we're stuck in the tax this year and, you know, maybe we got to just deal with signing someone, whoever we can get for the taxpayer mid-level to try and play the three and, you know, we'll deal without Will Barton. And yeah, you know what? Maybe we won't be a lock for the playoffs this year, but we'll hope everyone can improve. And that, you know, with Millsap coming back, I mean, we're not going to win a championship next year anyway. And, you know, this is going to be the best season that contract, Will Barton. I still think of him as more of a high-end backup guard, great score, but, you know, you're just, this is already a team with defensive problems and now you're going to start him at the three. I mean, that's that's just not a recipe for succeeding. They just don't, still don't have that player on their roster. And I think there's just been a continual failure to acknowledge that, hey, we don't have that player and we got to find at least someone who has the potential to be that player. Like their best defender at the three right now is Tory Craig. Uh, and he's on a, he's a, coming off a two-way. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is, it's not an awful contract. Again, you know, there was the idea that there was pressure from the Pacers. They really wanted to sign Will Barton. That was the one offer that Barton maybe had above the mid-level exception. And that was all that was needed. And for Barton, great job for him betting on himself. He got offered that four for 42, ended up getting uh, between six and 10 million more as a result of playing out the season. You're always not going to be on a discount when you get offered an extension. I thought that extension even uh, was a little rich for him even then. So, uh, but it's just, it's really like you already got Gary Harris and you already got Jamal Murray. You know, Will Barton just isn't quite what you need to me. Uh, and there's just a better way to invest those resources. And I think we'll see that down the road here, even if, you know, this isn't a horrible contract, but it's not a good contract. And I think there were good contracts to be had in this market but they just have not been willing to deal with short-term pain after i mean i mean consider how lucky they are to have been like you can't just be like hey you know what like this is amazing we got jamal murray we got gary harris at 19 we got jamal murray at seven we got nicole Jokic at the 41st pick in this in the second round for god's sake can't we just like be so happy with that and like all right we're gonna build up slowly and have these guys around and, and play for three years from now i mean there's the team isn't going anywhere to, to me so yeah I, I think there's a lot of uh a lot of concerns that i have here they're probably 
have a pretty decent chance to make the playoffs just like they did last year but it's just it, uh, i think this team could be more th- than this it, probably never a championship team with Jokic at center i mean i don't think to see how you ever have a good enough defense to get there but you know a team that could be maybe more than this someday and they are once again limiting their ceiling for short-term gain and now now we just wait w- with bated breath to see how much they're gonna have to actually give up to get off of this money one more thing on the nuggets this tweet came out while we were recording but i want to read it verbatim and then have one comment on it from chris mannix with Jokic and barton on board the denver nuggets will turn their attention to one more free agent lebron james the nuggets have been in contact with james's agent and will aggressively pursue a meeting that's the end of the tweet my comment it's nice to have dreams well especially because he's a free agent and they're so far over the tax line they can't even get him in a sign and trade now like it, it would be the only so he's gonna sign for the mid-level with the nuggets uh, and i mean how much money would they have to move yeah there's there's no way they could do it it, it would be impossible they, they would have to first i mean it's just this is just absolutely comical that this even came out somewhere they would first have to drop enough down below the apron which they are now 17 million dollars over and then find another 35 million in salary to trade for james i guess that would just be that would be paul Millsap would be the main guy there so yeah i mean maybe it could be possible if you moved on for Millsap, but then you'd have to first get down and you'd be hard capped after that you would be able to anything else and you know he doesn't want to go there there's that little part of two um all right let's move on here do a quick one golden state kevin durant returning on a one plus one which is a boon financially for the warriors in the short term as you've laid out many times but i'll briefly recap he could have made up to his mac but to do that he would have had to utilize early bird rights and any early bird rights contract has to be at least two years and he apparently didn't want to do that so whether it was out of largesse of saving the organization another five million or so because he's going to make 30 million this year he could only get 120 percent raise off of last year just with the non-bird rights rather than early bird rights because he's not signing a the type of contract that you have signed with early bird rights or whether he just wanted to maintain flexibility so that's a huge boon though for the warriors that's going to save them probably at least 20 million bucks and enable them now to use the taxpayer mid-level the mini mid-level of 5.3 million and that as we're i think we're going to see could be a very very powerful tool especially with how aggressive these teams have been and you know i think they could get a very very good player with that now um anything else you wanted to add uh, on kd here just a little bit i wrote a piece for the athletic we don't know the exact amount of savings we won't know it until they fill out the roster but my tentative estimate was that it would save them 29 million including the 5 million so 24 in tax 25 in, in actual salary but that was on the high side of estimates like that was bringing back von looney and a couple other using the full taxpayer mid-level exception so it could be less than that we don't we won't know the exact number but yeah that's that's where it is we'll i think the warriors will be later in the process in terms of figuring all this out because part of what they're going to be doing is going after guys who fall through cracks we won't know who falls through the cracks until later but now is as good a time as any to go to the team they faced in the western conference finals well, the, the second there, best we got one. a little more news well, there here on, on the war too oh yeah, yeah that's right um steve kerr has agreed to an extension a three-year extension remember he had one year remaining on that five year between 22 and 25 million dollar contract that he signed so this will add three more on that so he's under contract four more years now and report is to be as much as eight figures a year which would basically make him the highest paid coach only in the nba and i think he's richly deserving that i have him as a, maybe the best coach in the nba in the aggregate so I, I think he's been fantastic glad to see that and glad to see that he's doing well enough from a health standpoint to commit to this and then some rumors that the warriors could be interested in jamal crawford that would have to be a minimum deal uh it sounds like from the reporting sam amick also reporting similarly dwight howard according to amick also really wants to go to the warriors but i think the warriors would be 
wise to consider the chemistry situation there and i think that from the reporting it indicates that they are that they're not going to want to give dwight post-up touches he's not going to play at the end of games draymond will be their center and also he's just like annoying <laughs> just annoying never i mean i don't even know that it's like he's a bad guy it's just that like he's kind of immature and like not funny and like in a locker room of of these kind of cynical sarcastic veterans i just don't think that uh, he would be a particularly enjoyable personality especially because he, he might try to just like be an outsized personality in a way where you know thinking he's the center of things when he's really not you know i think that's kind of more what his issues are than just like oh just being you know a surly asshole in the locker room like a lot of guys can be so i don't know we'll see where they end up with that meme level i mean you think it's gonna be a shooting guard a wing but it, it's looking like they could get someone really good there uh and, and maybe even if they can get someone for a, on a multi-year deal someone who could help them replace andre guadal or sean livingston next year on a for a much cheaper price we'll see i mean it looks like guys if it's someone who's really good they'll probably just want a one one year deal but yeah let's let's go to houston now um i mean and the biggest news out of houston of course is chris ball has resigned but that was expected the bigger unexpected news is that trevor ariza is now a phoenix sun agreeing to a one-year 15 million dollar deal we'll talk about the phoenix aspect of that in a moment but this is big trouble for the houston rocket there are very few players at the forward positions that are capable of holding up offensively and defensively in the crucible that is a series against either one of these two teams and trevor reza qualified he had some certainly some down moments during the western conference final i mean we have to acknowledge that but he defended kevin durant very well he fit in with a lot of what the rockets were doing he could play you know nominally he could play the four he could play the three whatever they're going to do and there just are not many players if any who can replace him and so it is a big loss for the rockets it is not catastrophic but it makes them significantly worse against the warriors specifically on defense and that you know daryl morey can try to spin this into gold by getting the right players for the taxpayer mid-level exception minimum contracts yeah. i mean getting him bob mute last who the year hell was is amazing that, i don't know and i mean presumably if they want to bring in bob mute back then that's going to require some or all of the taxpayer mid-level and then you don't have that for other guys and yeah so so let me give you the list it's of going guys to be brutal. that could potentially replace them we're talking this is only we're talking about guys who can like defend the three that are on the market right now we're not even talking about offense because Ariza is a better offensive player probably than any of us. another thing that's important about Ariza too is like you remember when the Warriors tried to start hedging with Steph Curry guarding Ariza Ariza just killed them and made them go away from that strategy go back to stretching switching because he was actually able to make plays off of uh, those short roll type of situations so that's another thing that someone is gonna have to do other than just bang open threes so you've got a Bob Mute who you mentioned you know they're probably I don't think they can bring him back for the minimum they might have to dig in there but in Bob Mute you know I think there's an argument maybe that at times he could be better than Arisa but overall just doesn't have the history or the confidence he's a better defense player than Arisa but Arisa I mean while he'll have some foibles sometimes defensively I mean he defended Kevin Durant about as well as I've seen anyone defend him in a long time another note if they use Mbamute in that role then someone has to replace Mbamute's role role. and then like see people like oh PJ Tucker can do then who the hell plays PJ Tucker's spot like that was one of the stupid comments I got about how much this is gonna hurt the Rockets it's like you that's not the way it works you don't just get to plug a guy in who was already in your system yeah and Tucker actually he's really too slow to guard a lot of uh, as well I think like he's he's better as as a help guy so here so you've got Luke you've got James Ennis I would say maybe uh you know certainly not as good of a shooter as Ariza and I mean maybe Lance Stevenson maybe uh Jeff Green 
that's it pretty much everyone else is like a two or just not you know not proven in that role i mean travion graham glenn robinson the third you know the, those guys are a little shorter they're not proven in that role even though i think both those guys have potential they're 24 and, and i understand this i mean ariza is 33 this isn't like some impossible contract to match like i thought we thought ariza was getting way more than this in guarantee money now maybe that he really wanted a one-year deal to get back onto the market again at 34 which i don't know i think mean, i think bad market you're still the only real three and d starter on the market i might have tried to get a longer term deal and especially to go to phoenix i mean maybe there's something about phoenix really wanted to go there or something they already have a bunch of threes they're not gonna make the playoffs even with him had the worst record in the league last year so you have to imagine that the money from houston wasn't even close and with that being the case you know chris paul signed this max deal they still got capella you know they got to be prepared to match a max offer from him but let's make no mistake about it here like the houston rocket could have matched this contract this is a one-year deal this isn't like oh man killing ourselves going forward someone for just didn't want to pay the money that's what it was i mean and we'll see who they end up getting maybe they have some incredible guy who you know james ennis is gonna sign there and he's gonna be better than trevor reese ever was and gerald Morey knows it and i don't maybe maybe that's true uh but sure doesn't look like that right now and so this this is tillman Fertitta. yeah you know he, he put a lot of his fortune in this team he's worth 2.4 billion the reports were and he paid 2.2 for the team and it would have been a lot of money he's still gonna pay a lot of money for this team but they got worse because they couldn't afford to pay trevor reese and i unless they replace him you know i just i think or the warriors get a lot worse they are so much less of a threat now to the warriors to me than they used to. something i brought up really early on probably pretty close to this day a year ago is that what makes what made the rockets different from so many of the other teams is that they were a high caliber offense that could also defend really well and they still have the high caliber offense in all likelihood depending on how they replace ariza but if you can't do both sides you aren't going to beat the best of the best very often you can do it maybe in a certain circumstance guys get hot it, it, it can happen obviously but that defensive backbone is so important to them and we've seen how these series get smaller and if it gets smaller and clay capella is you know marginalized then you need to have bodies and they just don't have many bodies we should get to the other moves that they they yes. made we i mean chris paul so chris paul signed a max deal for four years not for five so there were the this is kind of like the Jokic thing where we thought maybe there would be some give one way or the other it wasn't in terms of salary it was in terms of getting off that fifth year that will certainly help the rockets because there is no chance in hell as much as maybe the single biggest chris paul defender in like kind of national basketball media that he's going to be worth that fifth year so that's good for the rockets those he and james harden are going to be comically expensive over this time you can argue that it's worth it just because they're they're a title contender all of that and it also kind of puts a an interesting coda on the whole risk that chris paul took when he opted in and was traded to the rockets in the first yeah basically he took a haircut of 11 million last year from what his max would have been 10 and a half more accurately no actually i'm sorry no it's really 10 so it looks like he's not necessarily going to make that back i I think that's just the price that he paid to be in houston rather than la and i think from a basketball competitiveness standpoint i mean if you think about it, he could have signed that five-year deal with the clippers would have been making pretty close to this but by the end of it a little bit more in terms of the raises but by the end you know he would have been around 46 million instead of 44 million in that 2021 season. i think my prediction was something like 180 million in guaranteed money this ended around 160 but it seems like he basically was able to come pretty close to what he would have gotten in that five-year deal with the clippers and if you consider where he would have been if he had just moved to the rockets and they moved all the salary cap space around and signed him to a four-year deal then he's basically getting that you could think about it as he's getting that four-year deal now instead of a year ago and then he gets to add the 24 million that he made last year to that so that's another way to think about it and, and this seems like a fair deal you know we had talked about maybe the structure would be that he would have 
you know half guaranteed on the last year or two uh but you know this is still very good for chris paul obviously and he says he still was able to say he got the max for the first four years so that's good enough for the union president and then joe green has returned to the rockets on a one-year minimum deal the fact that it's not two years uh, helps save some luxury tax money because it's only the two-year veterans minimum that uh is uh 1.5 million dollars for this year you'll see that on a lot of sheets whenever someone signs a one-year minimum deal and they have two years more experience they'll, they'll show up as that 1.5 million on salary sheets we of course are tweeting out at patreon.com slash duncan the roots great time to just become a subscriber i mean i think we've already done maybe like 20 posts got uh as soon as these get reported we're basically tweeting these out liam is helping us with those too so never worth it more than it is right now we also did a, a patreon mailbag yesterday which is a lot of fun talking about some of our plans the offseason trying to predict uh, who would be the worst contract we are we've already uh been eclipsed there i would say with some of these we'll get to those um but yeah so green is back he certainly w- will hopefully fill somewhat of the void by reason i mean and to get a guy who was in your rotation of seven guys in the western conference finals against the warriors back for the minimum that is a, a coup for to get the houston native with the awesome i-45 ted back and also for green's sake he because it's a one-year deal and he will have early bird rights at the end of it he can veto any trade because he would lose bird rights in that so if he wants to stay in houston he presumably took less to be there i i would have offered him more as a co- numerous other teams he can stay if he wants and that's great i'm really happy for him that it looks like he's found a home at least for now and so that that's great the rockets also exercised the team option on aaron jackson's contract for next season but that doesn't uh, do a lot for jackson because he still is nine guaranteed for next year and so they could still uh, move on from him if they wanted to a lot of no reason to do that as of now because the, there are no roster limitations at this point i think we should probably go to phoenix now uh, the other end of the trevor reza signing and, and the way i put this was i would like this deal for virtually anyone else in the league besides the phoenix on i'm in a pretty similar boat Ariza, a talented player gigantic position of need around the league for almost every single team but the phoenix suns just have no idea what the hell they are i mean so they are basically capped at now we don't know exactly how they're going to do the machinations to get here the most likely way is to wave alan williams and they're presumably letting both alfred payton and alex len go that gets them to enough space they would have a little wiggle room there but what are the suns now so they they at point guard position if we're going by you know usual archetypes here they cut tyler Ulis, not that he would have been the answer anyway so brandon knight maybe somebody with the room mid-level exception maybe shaq harrison maybe they try devin booker there then they just drafted josh jackson last year they drafted and traded eight unprotected 2021 first round pick to get mikhail bridges this year and so you're just sitting there going like like what the hell is this team and even as the, as they sit right now they're not a playoff team in the western conference I, maybe deandre ayton is just so good as a rookie and maybe booker just takes another crazy step and brandon knight who uh happens to be the only point guard with any experience on the roster right now other than shaq harrison uh because alfred payton and alex len they had to give up their cap hold uh, and it had been reported previously that they wouldn't be returning so i guess they're talking about knight coming back and actually playing for them and being their starting point guard i mean that's uh it's been a while since knight was good i, I think it, it's a little too early to give up on him but coming off the acl and having had a terrible year before that it was tough so they've got four small forwards which you know, we used to say there's you can never have too many wings and the celtics i thought kind of proved that last year even though they almost ran out themselves due to injuries and so maybe some of these guys are going to play the four i mean maybe just chris and bender aren't really going to play and so you'll just have deandre ayton and tyce chandler playing center and then you'll just have bridges and josh jackson and tj warren and Arisa. although none of those guys really has like that much have to defend some of the bigger guys i mean Arisa can defend some of the bigger threes although maybe not the strongest three but between Arisa warren jackson 
Jackson and Bridges I mean maybe that's just your rotation at small forward and power forward and maybe you, one of those guys can move to play the two more and you could do more switching maybe you could play Devin Booker at point guard and you just spread the rest of those guys out over the two through four position I mean I don't think that's like a crazy idea there's still a little light on, on shooting although Bridges and Ariza help them there quite a bit Jackson and Warren can't shoot at all though so maybe those guys are kind of like the fours on offense it does seem a little weird though that you just drafted this small forward number four and then you put all these resources into more small fours I mean is Josh Jackson going to start for the team now and, and this really and you mentioned they're not going to make the playoffs there again there's like oh there's this pressure which I mean you mentioned it right I, I was like oh didn't he just get a contract extension well whether he did or not they're clearly making a bunch of panic win now moves and maybe Ariza you know you could trade him later uh, but are you going to get a first round pick for him at the deadline you know maybe if you take on some bad money for the year after that but you know that that's a, a little dicey that doesn't really seem like the direction that's going so you know i don't really understand why a reason wanted to be here I, you would have thought that like get comparable money like this maybe you just really wanted a, a one-year deal um i also think that when you consider some of the other signings we've seen in dallas for example and in indiana who are obviously both teams who apparently are trying to get better for this year i think that a would have been a much better fit in either of those places uh and that they should have to me especially if it was only one year probably should have beaten this offer maybe again he just has something about phoenix he really wants to be in phoenix but i, I think this is just this is such a weird signing all the way around to houston not uh, being able to re-sign him you know who knows what the offers were there uh, versus what phoenix gave to ariza not wanting to go play for a winning team to the other winning team not really making much of an offer i mean he could have been ariza could have been really good in philly too if he could have just waited around for lebron james to not choose them you know maybe they could have had ariza and jj reddick really just total head scratcher in all possible ways and again this is one of those ones that as a fan of basketball where you want the good teams to be good you just kind of wonder like what the hell happened here and we'll have to keep an eye on while Ariza is a one-year contract if they extend Devin Booker that extension amount will supersede his his low cap hold which is about 10 million dollars and that could make them not even really a cap space team next year so like maybe this ends up having larger ripple effects we'll have to see that's a largely independent decision but it kind of gets in line with some of this other stuff that's going on we've heard that there's potential for an offer there so i mean i guess the suns will be you know on the low end of in the mix like they'll they'll be in that oh and so something else that's weird about this is you talked about the idea of theoretically trevor Reza getting traded at the deadline i'm sure the rockets would love it if he ended up getting kind of the marco bellinelli or ersan Ilyasova situation where he doesn't get traded and then he gets bought out and then theoretically he could go back to the rockets or the warriors or somewhere else but who knows if that's going to happen i mean and that would be such an admission of failure and in no small part by the suns should that come to pass yeah i mean and the warriors got to just be doing backflips right now with the number of suitors for a lot of these guys dwindling money being spent on guys they weren't necessarily interested in trevor reza not being in houston anymore paul george staying in oakley okc where he's really a non-threat to them versus if he had gone to the lakers or, or maybe even philly in the finals where do you want to go next uh, oh one other thing on phoenix tyler ulis they had pushed back his guarantee date but he was actually waived uh for this and, and as you mentioned alan william almost certainly will be waived once this signing is official but yeah where should we go next here let's go to milwaukee and the bucks gave ersan Ilyasova a three-year 21 million dollar deal though the third year of that is non-guaranteed according to zach Lowe. and this is one of my least favorite signings i really like ersan Ilyasova because i really dislike the fit with the bucks my mentality we talked about we've talked about this numerous times i think of Giannis as ideally as a four but also jamari parker's a four and Ilyasova not really versatile enough as a switch defender to make it like oh the distinction doesn't matter or yeah, anything that, like that that's what really uh, i don't 
like is that that it augurs less switching for this team when we felt like they need to go in that direction more so and so it, it's just this is we can i we could kind of go in a series of of these but this for me is a you could tie it in with a reason too but i think this is a little different where it's a why him like so there were a, a number of signings that happened early on july 1st where it's like why was this the guy that you were targeting like maybe you had the mid-level exception or some amount of money that you wanted to spend and they a lot of these players and early so is one of them got treated like a special commodity he's not special he's a good player i thought he provided value for the sixers last year don't pay him multiple years don't pay him a ton well, of money well, let's let's look at it from this here's one way to look at it danny he got one year six million last year when there was so much more space around the league and he was a year younger it's also a concern that he's probably like three years older than he's listed if you talk to people in europe like he's been around a, a lot longer than you know when he was coming over here at like ostensibly at like age 19 or whatever it was that he that he was brought around i mean that's like like so yeah i i think we're gonna look at who else signs for and there is a non-guarantee in the end of three years 21 million the last year is not guaranteed but we're gonna look around for who else signed for like two years 14 million and especially when you consider the limited number of teams that could even go above the taxpayer mid-level which this is above that uh yeah it, it puzzling just both in terms of the fit i mean yeah they need a stretch four yeah they need somebody who's smart on defense you know they, they could definitely use that as, as a help defender like i, I don't think he's gonna help them although he could easily fall off a cliff very easily and you know i mean do you, is he really a guy who can play against well the and he could teams? also fall off a cliff taking a charge like he could just take a charge standing on a cliff and, <laughs> yeah, and fall he off would, it he, he would he doesn't care what's beyond him he would he would just get knocked off <laughs> a cliff uh, uh he would take a charge on like a boulder rolling downhill off a cliff if he had to uh yeah i mean i, I think i i got two words for you on why i think this might have bike mudenholz i think this is one where yeah he's not necessarily you know I, I don't know how much power he was given but you remember right he could have gone to toronto they won 59 games last year instead he went to milwaukee and perhaps that was done and, and he of course he did kind of a bad job in atlanta when he was the president so he's had a taste of that you know i think that whether he officially has power that this is kind of a signing that he really wanted he signed uh i guess schlank had come in by the time he was re-signed but he uh had traded for the Yusova. definitely a player obviously that you know uh mike Budenholzer really values so uh you know i think and it's just again it's this guy this is a bucks team that like needs to be getting like the conference final in the next couple of years and they also have these cat space aspirations in the summer of 2019 so you're telling me one year seven million wasn't enough to get ursan elisova um you know that that's another question too i mean that now they have this opportunity cost again they're overpaying for guys who are you know eighth men and it just it, i don't get it i really i really don't i'm liking this less and less as it goes on and elisova is a guy that i well, thought and, i and value more something. than a lot of people but man come on like this is too much it is a also an incredibly low ceiling signing oh, like God, milwaukee yeah. they need to be going for they need to be swinging for the fences like airson Ilyasova, there isn't this like oh man he's going to be the missing piece and grow with the grow with Giannis, grow with divincenzo and all these other guys no airson Ilyasova is airson Ilyasova. even if he's the age that he, you know his listed age he's still not going to get better he's going to be airson Ilyasova. so yeah this was it was unbelievably frustrating for me and it's not yeah, I mean, you even, know and, in the and full we talk about of, centers like we just sign like a decent starting center with that money maybe you could do that you know and i mean you really want to be relying or a th- or a th- or three that can just be a, a possible option just some other guy to throw in the- like and, and especially when you consider yes air Yusova for them is a better fit than like a guy mike scott i'm guessing budenholzer probably would not have wanted him considering the history there but the difference between those two guys or any no- there are a bunch of fours that are fine and maybe you're not going to get those guys for the minimum but you could definitely get them for 
one year, you could definitely get him for six million or less. So why him? Like why was and that's why you get to the bike moon holes are part of well, and Ugh. also you know it's not like okay you know this is a little bit of an overpay. This is kind of the you know this this is a very Stan Van Gundy in Detroit ish signing. You know where this is a guy who's going to help him. Hey, we need some stretch. We're you not know, shooting. Um, we need to space the floor around Giannis. And maybe maybe the idea is Ilyasova will play at the five and and Giannis will play at the four. But then you know what does Ilyasova do? You know defensively is he going to be the five? I, you know I guess. But you know he's he's really probably not explosive enough to be a five against the best teams defensively and too slow to be a, a four against the best team defensively. And this is another one of these ones where hey Bucks, you want to play in rarefied air here? Get a player who you know is going to have a solid chance of competing against the absolute best teams like a Boston, like what Philly may be here. You know, he, at least those may be a little better fit against Philly. But, you know, all right. So, but he's not going to guard Joel Embiid in the post and he's not going to guard Ben Simmons. So now where are you putting him against Philly? Um, But this, it's more really about the opportunity cost, right? I mean, I think, and, and I feel the same way about Marco Bellinelli. I, I had a snarky tweet about the Spurs signing Bellinelli and it was like, no, he's a good player. He's a good player. Like, okay. But wait do you see who else signed for that amount and get back to me at the end of this and tell me they did the best they could here. Uh, do we want to, do we want to jump to this? I, I think this well, is no, another no, I, I do have another of... important point here. And that is, okay, sure. what does this mean now for the potential return of Jabari Park? Because they now have, by my count, and this is with 12 players on the roster, assuming they waived Brandon Jennings, they have $13.7 million left below the tax. So this doesn't strike me as a team that is likely to pay the tax. Next year, they hope to use cap space. So maybe they could do it for one year. They're moving in this year. But still, I, I, I don't, if they do go into the tax, I don't expect it to be by much and they'll I, I expect them to try and get out of it. so 13.7 million is a starting salary for Jabari Parker I don't know if that's going to cut it now maybe that's just he's going to take his qualifying offer maybe he just never gets an offer somewhere else but if you're thinking about making an offer for Jabari Parker you got to think for 18 million a year and maybe you wouldn't even agree to that who knows because he certainly has a high conception of himself having turned down that three for 54 that the Bucks offered him in the fall maybe 18 million a year is enough to get him you know maybe the Bucks don't match that now and we've talked about how it might make more sense to even like use the full mid-level then and they still have the BAE available as well to try and get more talent around Jabari well they squandered that now you know I mean there's there's a hope that maybe they could get someone to help them more than Jabari I don't think Ilyasova is, is that guy necessarily even though again I Ilyasova is a guy like he's a fantastic team defender but he's just so limited physically and his jumper you know it, it's here and there you know he's not he's not like an unbelievable unstoppable shooter uh even when he's wide open so that th- this is uh this would augur it's less likely that Jabari returns and he's also happens to play the same position but yeah let's let's go to san antonio now so marco bellinelli is at this point kind of undeniably he is what he is i mean a capable shooter takes a lot of bad shots awful 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 defensively most of the time can't really defend any other positions doesn't fit in with that so he can provide a value for a team no, no, that's, but, no, but danny you know he, he was on the spurs for a couple of years you know he, he won a championship with them in 2014 did you know that oh that's good to know that totally changes how good he is as a basketball <laughs> player in in 2018 and Bellinelli it's just another one of these examples and he's 32 years old can't really defend anyone at this point in his career and so you're just sitting there going San Antonio is just they're not versatile they're not dynamic they're not I'd love to see you try and play Marco Bellinelli against Houston or Golden State and and there's still a chance they might keep Kawhi Leonard around it and if so ostensibly or OKC I mean like like, you're you're sitting there looking at this team and going well how are how are they going to you know Popovich can can spin gold. I use this analogy already once a day, but he can spin gold with like that the team defending as well as they did in the regular season is, is awfully impressive. And if what San Antonio is trying to do for the next year or two is 
just win a fair number of regular season games, you know, beat up the bad teams, get enough games, especially at home from the good teams where they can make the playoffs and then get knocked out in five or six games in the first round. Sure, they could probably do that. And if they wanted to find that as success, by all means. But what the hell? Like, why are, why are they going for this? And Rudy Gay, I, I, I like Rudy Gay. You know, he, I thought he did a better job than I expected this year. One year, 10 million is far from an awful contract no, no, for th- him. Th- that was a good signing. Uh, you don't think that, you don't think that was a good signing? I think that's actually fine. a really good it's, signing it's, because they they still are able to, I mean, it's basically you can get Rudy Gay or you can get nothing. I mean, it's basically. Well, but there's a, but there's a huge, uh, but what it, what it ties in with is this idea of San Antonio just not wanting to move on because they, you, you talked about the opportunity cost for Milwaukee and for a num- number of these other teams. San Antonio had an opportunity here. I don't know what the hell they're doing with Kawhi. I mean, maybe they're going to keep him and do us. If they're keeping Kawhi, then yeah. I mean, these moves Rudy certainly are right in line with them keeping him. But, you know, in theory, they're going to sure. get guys but, but, back but here's the for idea. him that could allow them to make the playoffs again. But, but theoretically, San Antonio had an opportunity this year. They were one of the few teams with access to the full mid-level exception. And Marco, and this is actually not the Rudy Gay signing. This is the Marco Bellinelli signing. Yeah, that, that sucked, by the way. The Marco signing sucked. I think the Gay signing was actually yeah. really good. It's, the Gay signing, I don't think it's really good. I'll explain why I think that. Because basically, they had, they're over the cap now. He had, had opted out. So if you let him go, you've just got the mid-level exception and the BA. You're basically, by re-signing him, you're getting a free player, essentially, that just you have no way to replace. So there's no reason not to re-sign him. He was good for them last year. I think, you know, we didn't get to see him with Kawhi at all, but, you know, he was better defensively. He gives them some scoring. He can shoot the ball a little bit. Like, he played well. He might even be better a year removed from the Achilles. I mean, like, it's either, they and they're not anywhere close to where, you know, it's only a one-year deal, so there's no future opportunity costs, and they're not even close to the tax or the apron either, even with, so it's not going to prevent them from doing anything else. There's zero opportunity cost to this other than money out of the owner's pocket. So I, I think it's a great thing. Like, they, if they, if he was willing to come back for this, they would be idiots not to just say yes because you, there's no way that they could replace him otherwise, and there's no opportunity cost. Uh, I'm, I'm not totally sure about the opportunity cost. It depends on where these other guys slot in. I mean, they have a lot of variability in terms of Kyle Anderson, Davis Bertons, Britton Forbes. You could make an argument, oh, it's fine if they pay a small amount. If Peter Holt's cool paying a little bit of luxury tax for this well, team, I, I, I have them at, at even with Bellinelli and Gay, I have them with 15 million in room under the tax. So even if they if they bring back Anderson, I mean, it, it would be, I'll put it this way. If they're going to bring back Anderson and Bertans for enough that that, that would put them in the tax, then those well, are going to be Tony awful Parker. contracts they should sign. And, and Parker too. I mean, all three of those guys, you should be able to get them for less than 15 million. If you can't, just go ahead and move on unless it's you know a one-year deal. And, and, and so Rudy I, Gay I, is I, way better than any of them. For sure. Rudy Gay is absolutely better. And, and so I think the logic that you're using is similar to in the mock-off season why I just gave J.J. Redick a bunch of money for one year is the idea that it, it doesn't hurt anything else and on that logic you know fine i i understand it but but the idea of, i so i guess then my beef is more with the bellinelli signing i kind of piece those two together but this idea that they had one of the few teams with the full middle level exception available to them and could have gotten a value on a long-term contract wherever their team is going there are going to be some unbelievable values that come down the line i don't know what position those guys are going to play don't exactly know what it's going to be and they closed the door on that other than their own restrictive free agents for no good reason we'll see maybe i'm wrong maybe somehow mo- enough money is going to get conjured out of thin air or teams are just going to go willy-nilly into the tax and they're all going to use i mean but this is still more money than the tax pyramid level uh maybe teams just don't guys just don't want to play in san antonio anymore which seems surprising to me you know maybe I, I think they're just like too focused on culture at this point too focused on what's familiar and this guy like i mean 
you still have Kawhi Leonard if you're going to keep him around in theory try to rebuild things with him like this guy can't play against the best team like in the Western Conference like he just can't and uh or at least not play well so uh, and he's also pretty old and you got him for next year too I mean that's a, that's another thing could maybe they could have had space next year especially if they move on from Kawhi they probably will um they could have like 45 million in room next year even with Bellinelli but still why why break into that and did you really need to spend this much on him I mean I think they just either they totally misread the market or they totally overvalued Marco Bellinelli or both and, and you know I I had this tweet of oh I can't believe Kawhi Leonard wants to leave an organization that wants to give Marco Bellinelli this contract and yeah you know what like I think there's a lot of truth there like they just ha- have not be- because of bad signings like this Pau Gasol obviously being another one Patty Mills I wasn't as against that that signing at the time and so it's like yeah how how does Kawhi Leonard supposed to win a championship here and then you know a lot of Spurs fans are pissed off by that and they're like oh yeah well we'll take the the guys who won us five championships over Europe and I'm like yeah you know what through 2016 these guys did an unbelievable job and since then I think it's been a borderline disaster we move on here let's do it let's go to another why him contract for me and that's Doug McDermott McDermott signing a three-year 22 million dollar deal with Indiana it is fully guaranteed that you know it would have looked better if that last year was partially guaranteed or non-guaranteed and with McDermott capable player you know offensively can hit shots can space defense I I I don't trust him at all defensively especially if the Pacers want to be a relevant team and so this has two components to it one is why him and the second component is why him at this price because the opportunity cost of this for a team with actual cap space especially in the Pacers spot is insane like this takes them out of the mix of so many things that are more interesting than what they did yeah I agree entirely so they're down to 14 million in space now that's with a projected wave and stretch of Al Jefferson they could move on from Derek Carlson we'll find out later in the day today uh his 10 million dollars only two million dollars guaranteed you'll recall of course that they guaranteed Boyan Bogdanovich's 10.5 million which uh, had a 1.5 million guarantee and if you already have Bogdanovich this signing really seems to make less sense now you do have McDermott for longer going forward uh this uh, about a little over seven million a year Zach Lowe had a good tweet saying hey this is the sweet spot you know enough above the taxpayer mid-level which so many teams have to offer that you know, it's a better offer and I think McDermott McDermott is an underrated player I think he can become a really good shooter I think he's got more ability in the post although they're you know not something that the Pacers are probably really ever going to use uh so you at least have him going forward this this could turn into a value contract we'll see you know I think it but he's already McDermott's already 26 so not much upside left to explore he's gotten better as a team defender completely flammable as an individual defender but Donovich is probably a better player than him last year especially in the playoffs against LeBron although potentially LeBron won't be around anymore you know uh, Boyan is just holds up a little bit more strongly but overall in the regular season I don't think there's a huge difference between guys defensively but if you're this hot and heavy for McDermott why would you guarantee Bogdanovich you just got you just replaced him essentially for three million dollars cheaper and then you can go out and try and fill some other needs I mean I think I mentioned this before but you know Trevor Reese you could get him for one year's 50 million why not do that they've also been talked about the Pacers as a potential Aaron Gordon destination well unless they waive Darren Collison that's not going to happen now you're not getting him for 14.5 million you know you got to go up to probably over 20 to have a realistic chance that offer sheet not being matched I mean I think if you want to decide between Lance Stevenson and Doug McDermott like who's more valuable that's an interesting question you know they they moved on from Lance's 4.4 million they could always just re-sign him if they wanted to of course but yeah I mean I'm not that down on this signing necessarily but it it doesn't really seem to make sense in a, a lot of these moves and again you know I think that there would be better players more established players would have been available had they kind of waited things out a little bit I mean I think again you know maybe as a, as a San Antonio there's 
just this fear of like oh we're the pacers we just you know we can't get anyone it's like well you're never gonna have a better chance to get someone than this year when you're one of the, the only maybe two good teams that actually has money like them them and the pacers pretty much it i mean the lakers presumably will be good eventually but uh when it's all said and done uh summer if they get lebron anything else on them no oh we should also mention they declined uh the option on joe young so he is a free agent can we do a short little segment called what the hell is going on in portland yeah yeah we we, we don't have to necessarily uh do all the big ones but yeah this is really weird so they declined to make a qualifying offer on shabazz napier they declined yeah. to make a that, qualifying that been offer 5, on pat connaughton 3.5 million for napier i mean they, they were they were scared connaughton's was, was like one that. seven yeah yeah connaughton didn't meet starter criteria he would been uh, uh he might have been a little bit above that um yeah anyway both totally fine numbers and cap holds don't really matter to the to the blazers because they're over they're over the cap so it doesn't matter at all for them and instead i mean we don't know if it's a as a replacement or whatever they signed nick stauskas a guy who didn't look like an nba player for most of his nba career and then they also if you want to call it let however we don't know exactly what ed davis is doing they ed davis went to the nets on a reasonable deal looks like it was for the room mid-level for 4.4 million so i just don't know what the hell they're doing they have time to resolve this and go tweeted out like a tear emoji or something i i basically a broken heart emoji i believe oh yeah yeah sorry I, i have like emoji asperger so i'm not very good at that but um yeah it's uh and i guess they they think that you know zach collins is ready to step in and perhaps he is perhaps he's not you know i mean he played some nice minutes but uh he's gonna have to take a big step forward and get a lot stronger to really be a, a playoff quality player and then i mean the napier thing i just i know they have these tax concerns but getting he played well for them he played well in three point guard lineups they were like oh we're just gonna let wade baldwin be our, our backup point guard now like yeah he played heads a couple of nice moments but napier was good as a backup point like why wouldn't give him a qualifying offer we'll see what he ends up getting i mean it's, it's not like they couldn't bring him back if they wanted to but the idea like oh man we're scared that he was going to accept one year 3.5 million like are you kidding me he's a good player like that's a great price for the production that he gave them here uh and, and condenson even was in the rotation uh so that you wouldn't be willing you're scared that he might accept the qualifying offer for 1.7 million dollars and the roster spots aren't an issue they only have 10 people under contract right now uh i assume that they waived jake layman uh that'd be hilarious if they actually guaranteed his salary for 1.5 million after he's done nothing the first year um papa g apparently is still around although i think his guarantee date is pretty late um yeah so at least for the moment they've reunited papa Giannis and nick stauskas um no those guys never played together i thought they played together nope. for like stauskas a got like traded a... in the summer of 2015 he was in the the sam hinky that's deal, right and then they didn't draft papa g until 26 they're just collect they're collecting failed kings and we'll call it that <laughs> so yeah don't really get it there we could turn to brooklyn I, the davis signing uh with him as a backup is excellent the room mid-level 4.4 million and then they also brought back joe harris on a two-year 16 million dollar deal this again maybe a little bit of an overpay uh for what harris is we'll see but the advantage here for the nets is that harris has a low cap hold of the minimum because he's coming off a minimum deal and so by agreeing now they can just sign him last and he won't count for more than the minimum we'll see whether this dwight howard buyout which hasn't actually been uh, leaked yet and, and maybe it won't because that trade even has not been official it won't be until july 6th because they the net need to use cap room to accomplish it that's part of why they don't have the option of staying over the cap and using the full mid-level because they had to take howard into space since it wasn't an equal trade between he and, and mozgov but maybe if dwight gives back enough money they could get to maybe giving out another eight million or so contract also if i were the nets i think they'd be very foolish not to have him start at the most that he can which would be 8.3 million decline to 7.7 next year because again you know when they're talking about their cap space he's only he only costs the minimum until they actually sign him so you might as well just bring 
bring them up to the highest you can this year and then have them be less next year when of course they have cap space aspirations having moved on from mozgov this does cut into that cap space by about 7.7 million do you think harris is worth this this contract i've been a little higher on him than you but i think there are a lot of people who are even higher on him than i am i think this is a little bit rich just because i i'm not exactly sure where he fits in on 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 like a a a good team but the nets aren't all the way there yet so it's it's fine i i don't have much opposition to this but it's it's not amazing for me yeah you might have wanted to maybe get him for another year if you really believe in him that much i I don't know whose decision it was to only go the two years whether that was his decision or the team's i think 26 right now you know 20 i mean maybe they think hey they're going to be good in 2019 and i think he's a big part of their culture they developed him you know there is something to be said for hey we brought you in you developed and and you got paid under us see hey all of you other guys you guys work hard it's going to pay off for you uh you know so so there's something to be said for that there's not a huge opportunity cost i think that could end up as a little bit of an overpay um but they did get him for a shorter time if they thought that was good i'm not sure if they do if they do or if i think it's good for them uh to have sure but then and then the other thing we'll see is maybe this is worth it to pay a little more to get him to sign now because you can use the low cap hold we'll see who else they get if howard does get bought out and if they they actually use some of that extra money you know they could have still you know about the mid-level exception or so to spend you know assuming dwight gives up three or four or so so i, I think this is uh, an ed davis as a backup center one year room mle uh, you assume that jared allen will probably start i think that's a totally good ed davis is an energy guy good guy to have around hits the offense glass not great defensively but as a backup center you uh you could do a lot yeah good enough to contribute to your team not good enough to overpower and demand minutes all that all that weight that can sometimes be brought on i do wonder a little bit about you know bringing you could say at davis you know serviceable backup center that like if the nets the idea that you and i have talked about before of like kind of trading away some of their veterans and getting a little bit worse for this year like i don't think ed davis is good enough to really move the needle for them if they end up going in the tanking direction but it's also kind of like well maybe you could use that for a little bit more upside but again the room mid-level can only be a two-year contract so you can't really cultivate a lot of value there speaking of the room mid-level that's what aaron bain signed for last year in boston he returns two-year 11 million dollars based off of his non-bird raise from that room mid-level that he signed last year so he's going to start at 5.2 this year go up to 5.5 next year but he got a player option and you know it's good for them to have some salaries here but as you noted there's some complications that there are so we mentioned before with gerald green the idea that if you if a player has a one-year contract they get bird rights early or full bird rights at the end they can veto a trade because if that trade happens they lose bird rights it i am i admit to not being a hundred percent rock solid on it in this it's an unusual circumstance where it's a player well, option uh, according so to I, larry coon's cba faq uh it's it's option so you're yeah uh, so as best i can tell uh without just like actually going in and reading the cba which you didn't have time to do he does have an implied trade and so that means baines can not be used as salary flotsam if he doesn't want to be and it sounds like he is in, interested in staying in boston so for me i i think the so i signed baines to a one-year deal at this exact same first year number because that's the non-bird with in, in the mock-off season and part of the reason i went one year instead of two was you never know who's going to become available boston's a good team and you know they are going to be looking at luxury tax burdens and all that stuff in in the near term maybe not this year but almost definitely next year if they bring the guys back they want to bring back and you never know when baines is going to fall yeah. off so kind of i don't i don't think he had the leverage to say i need two years or i'm going to go somewhere else because they could just be like hey we could just get another center and maybe they wouldn't be as as good a fit as he ended up being i thought baines had a very nice year for them but they wouldn't be stepping back that much and he's not the reason like they're a title 
title contender or anything like that well and moreover they couldn't just get him on a just straight two-year deal there was really that much more competition for a service I mean, he's gonna start on a really good team there's there aren't that many just starting job out there i don't know who is gonna pay him more than this to come in and be their backer. I mean, maybe like washington wasn't gonna be able to pay him for example they're one of the few teams that doesn't have a, a clear choice of starting so i mean now maybe la or something but like as you mentioned baines is 31 he had a career year last year did show this growth with the three ball that is intriguing but that was just in the playoffs see i mean he basically had like one of the greatest rando out of nowhere three-point shooting playoffs that we've ever seen i think kp had that piece so yeah I, this is a fine number this will probably end up being fine maybe we're fetching for no reason but even just getting him on a straight two-year deal so you could trade him if you need to you know i think it would have been useful or if he wants the no trade just go one year and it might end up being fine as you said but it's it's just it's a it makes me a little bit queasy we got to go to dallas now with mm-hmm. the, the clippers deandre jordan opted out after the gortat trade and it was reported as soon as he opted out that this cleared the way for him to go sign with dallas we don't know the exact number here mark stein said it's uh, approaching the 24 million that he turned down so we'll say maybe a million or two less than that i've got him in just projected in my sheet right now at 22 million that leaves dallas with 5.9 million with dirk scheme option having been declined they probably bring him back for the room exception you would imagine so a little bit less than he was scheduled to make the five million but you know pretty much there and they can tack an extra year on that as well of course the room except doesn't impact their cap space i've got dallas with about six million left that could grow by another million or so if they were to move on dorian finney smith and maxi kleba though i think especially in the case of kleba they should hold on to him at his minimum salary he, i thought he was pretty good last year kyle collinsworth they also have i have that projected him as uh being moved he has a guarantee date of july 6th finney smith a guarantee date of july 5th all those guys make minimum though what do you think of this move for dallas one year uh low 20 million dollar i don't love it but it's not awful like i was way it's one of those you know it happens every once in a while where i thought it was going to be way worse than it was you know going into multiple years and it's not really fair to give dallas credit for not making the mistake i thought they were going to make but then you have the opportunity cost thing here dallas another one of those rare teams that had space that they could actually work with they could have signed players to longer term deals that made sense they could have signed somebody who's younger and like tim mcmahon brought up the point of like this is you know kind of like seeing if it'll work before you get married they shouldn't get married to deandre jordan he's too old for their core and he doesn't make sense with where this team is going so if it's and if it's a stopgap year well that's a little bit weird too because they have these two young guys in luka Doncic and dennis smith that are going to take a little while to figure it out you know it's good to have vets around to you know to, to give them a a good surroundings to to see what they have and all of that but it's just a strange use of resources because there are there are going to be a shit ton of centers on this market like we know that's coming some of them will be available for long-term deals some of them will be available for short-term deals all of them basically are going to be cheaper than deandre jordan at the price that looks like they're going to get him at so i don't hate it because they didn't go multiple years they didn't hamstring themselves in the future but at the same point like the sales pitch to me is weird yeah jordan for all we talk about so many centers being available really only two established two-way centers on the market at this point in with jordan and Derek favors i mean jordan has gone downhill a little bit i think on both ends you know not quite the leaper that he used to be but still you know a better alley finisher than 95 percent of the centers in the league so he provides some gravity offensively and then defensively i think he's a solid option again he's taken a step back there you know and he was way too ballyhooed even in his heyday to be an all-star or you know in the defense player of the year conversation he was always overstated he's just not consistent enough defensively uh, in terms of his effort in terms of avoiding mental mistakes getting out of the perimeter which he has more limited ability to do now but they're not going to be a switch team anyway with dennis 
Dennis Smith and with Doncic so he can help there I mean he's probably of all the centers on the market the best defender a lot of more offensively oriented centers at this point but all that said I think that they would have been better off trying to break this up into more players and get more value contracts going forward I mean I guess they want to get into the 2019 market again they have all the space in 2019 60 million but you know we'll see I mean that that's I'm sorry they would have 52 million uh if Harrison Barnes were to opt in next year still a lot but you know they still wouldn't have a center center market's not that great next year maybe he would come back but that contract would probably be trouble with him at 31 but I would have loved to have seen them try to go after like an Aaron Gordon with with all of their space there's always the problem that you have to wait there and you might not get someone but what are you really trying to accomplish here I, I would have loved to see them try to get some undervalued young pieces you know kind of go to the Portland 2015 route get some guys under contract who can be a part of this team grow with this team and guys at more valuable positions obviously than center as well one thing that is very interesting here you know we talked about how Houston's a loser they are at least a winner in the sense that there just isn't an offer sheet out there now with Dallas signing Jordan for Clint Capella and Phoenix another rumored suitor obviously they got eight and now they've signed Arisa so unless the Hawks are going to give Capella an offer sheet or and the Bulls just got Wendell Carter unless it's the Lakers who don't seem likely to get in a restricted market unless LeBron I mean even if LeBron does come probably going to keep their powder dry for 2019 so the Rockets might get Capella for a little cheaper that could be a stalemate that's going to go on for a long time now but yeah I, I would have liked them to just kind of see I mean for me I would rather that they just made the same offer they made DeAndre Jordan to JJ Reddick instead or maybe see if you could get KCP or Avery Bradley on a deal that would be enough to keep them around for a while but still kind of below market at the same time or Aaron Gordon we mentioned him we went on a long idea of like what their plan should have been in our Patreon mailbag yesterday even someone like Marcus Smart I might have been more interested in I think he he could be or Julius Randle if they wanted to go for a center yeah that that would be interesting although Randle's not really a good pick and roll player uh and, and then defensively he's a bad fit with Smith and Doncic because he can switch but he can't play sure. conventional defense but but I'm saying if you even if you took I don't like him as much for them but even if, let's say he gets like 14 million for for whatever say then you have eight to ten million to work with for something else like you're not you're not going to pay him DeAndre Jordan money yeah yeah or, I mean, there, or there's Derek so Favors many options on, on a longer deal though it, it's been reported sure. now maybe because there wasn't any interest from Dallas that Favors is supposed to meet with the Jazz in Atlanta today and doesn't have any other meeting set up so you'd imagine they're probably going to agree in a contract and there isn't really a reliable destination right now for Favors would be very interested to see the number of years but Utah seems pretty focused on re-signing Favors well, and next hell if you, you if they want to do a one-year deal like they could have done a one-year deal for Trevor Reza sure and made sure. their team better yeah, I mean why not just beat that Phoenix offer I and mean, we mentioned that already uh, that that was yeah there are definitely guys who I think both would have helped them more this year or could have been a part of the team long term or both um but yeah this one seems a little bit short-sighted it's just a weird fascination and maybe under Rick Carlisle DeAndre Jordan is just gonna be so unbelievable and certainly having that type of pick and roll threat for Doncic and Dennis Smith to play with will be nice you know he's a good communicator help out this young team defensively like he's gonna help them but I still this is another one where and maybe we'll be proven wrong but the opportunity cost seems quite high here even if it is a guy who's gonna help them and at least it's only for one year though right I mean that's that was the one thing we were worried about when we talked about in the Patreon mailbag of like oh my god what if they sign him for more than one year at least they only did that one year so that's that's the saving grace here the Clippers really quickly with Jordan gone I don't think we had talked about his opt-out but with him gone they actually sit and I'm projecting a wave and stretch for Milos Teodosic if they decide to keep him around they're basically going to be right at the cap uh but now their tax concerns are alleviated if Jordan had opted in they might have been in a situation where they had some tax concerns again there was talk they might take back Wes Matthews that he would opt in and they would trade him but it just seemed like that got a little bit too complicated and, and Dallas didn't want to trade anything for him when they could just sign him as a free 
free agent so that's i think why the clippers were like yeah why are we going to have him opt in and trade him when we can't actually unless we're going to get something back and dallas is like yeah deandre how about you come said and that they ended up doing well and it, it is worth noting what would have happened if they had gone even if it was just straight up if they had done that done that deal the benefits would have been dallas would have had full bird rights i'm not sure that difference really matters because i don't think they're offering deandre five years or i don't think they want to offer him much more no. in a future year no, they year better not than those raises and then for the clippers they would have gotten this big trade exception but if they would rather use cap space then it doesn't really make much of a difference to them so like there is a little bit of like value that got lost in this deal but i'm not sure it was value that actually mattered to either team one thing this could do although it doesn't seem like it's going the, in this direction is maybe this opens up room for avery bradley to return on a and perhaps a big one-year deal now the clippers still can maintain his bird rights and could bring him back you know at some something where it would be competitive with what can be offered by other teams um and actually probably can exceed it we'll see what bradley's market is going to end up looking like but of course they just drafted shea and they just drafted Jerome robinson and they still got patrick beverly they still got lou williams obviously so it's not you know and depends what they want to do this year too if they got shea and robinson probably won't be ready this year but they presumably want them to play as well and of course hanging over this is that top 14 protected pick that they owe to boston and they have big free agent plans for the summer of 2019 60 million in base right now we'll see if they sign anyone that's into that i'm guessing probably won't and so maybe they will say hey you know what like there's no point in bringing back avery bradley this year we've finished out of the playoffs not the end of the world and then you know next year we're going to sign all the guys uh, that's their aspiration and then you know th- they'll give up that pick the next year but no harm in finishing a lot of this year in theory where should we go next i don't think we need to spend much time on it because we don't have an answer but one of the most interesting questions that's going on right now in the league with the ramifications this is what does philly do and we just don't know they did lose two of their rotation playoff guys and and bellinelli and Ilyasova. i wouldn't have signed them to the contracts they got but now with paul george off the board if we assume lebron's not going to go there certainly if he does then that clarifies what they're going to do but i mean they're they're kind of getting to where they were in the mock off season where you know maybe you go stay over the cap keep reddick use the full mid-level you could go in a couple different directions maybe try to get some value contracts but the valuation in terms of whether they want to keep their powder drive 2019 or anything else like that i'm just fascinated to see what they end up doing yeah it is going to be interesting and the question is going to be now how low can they get jj reddick assuming lebron doesn't end up there they've got 26 million or so in space right now could they get reddick to sign on for you know 14 million for one year they don't want to go into next year obviously because they're trying to keep the powder dry again would that be enough for reddick or is he going to say hey you know if you want to sign me to any one-year deal it's got to be 20 million well reddick not sure if he has many more options maybe if lebron goes to the lakers and nobody else does that could be a big one-year offer reddick destination but that's gonna be the question is how little is reddick willing to take and then once you get up to maybe 20 million or so for reddick then maybe what you think is well let's just hold on to amir johnson cap hold we can bring him back as our backup center because they need a backup center still they need a backup four they need a backup two uh who's more reliable than tlc remember they really took off when they got bellinelli and Ilyasova, though bellinelli in particular played way over his head as a sixer so they got a lot of work to do here and the big question could be how much is reddick going to take to where they can fill in around him and then you know does it make sense to stay over the gap they would have their bae available as well so they got resources to fill in even if they keep reddick they could bring back johnson and then they would have the full mle and the bae although only for one year probably uh because they want to keep cap space open the next year to fill in at backup two and backup four and you know they still got tlc hopefully he can maybe take us up for us here but I, i'm not counting on him uh also noteworthy that uh justin anderson had a uh, surgery and got a chance to uh deal with some assistant issue there let's talk about the lakers now and the lebron chase nothing happening yet 
yet i mean it's still looking like lakers or Cavs. kobe altman called lebron and rich paul james has flown from the caribbean to la but he has a home there of course uh there's talk that some in lebron's camp want him to consider the sixers i mean but you know there seems to be a little momentum for that also a note that lakers and spurs talks are not really active right now and again for the spurs you know presumably this moment before lebron signs is the time that you have the most leverage to extract a deal from la but obviously for la getting Kawhi in theory would clinch that you're going to get lebron as well so they might be enticed to offer more so there seems like more momentum for a deal but that despite that you know james supposedly wants to make his decision before july 4th and doesn't seem like we're in any kind of momentum towards the deal at this point but that of course can change quite quickly and once the lakers get lebron they can kind of hang out and make their trade for Kawhi whenever they uh, want to and certainly the spurs if they get to the trade deadline with him and there's also the the news that maybe if or, or not the news but the factor that if Kawhi comes back and kind of proves that he's healthy he becomes a little bit more enticing to trade for i'm still not sure with that possibly degenerative condition even if he looks to be healthy now like what they could do that would assure me that Kawhi is going to be the same guy and that he's going to remain healthy uh demarcus cousins also got calls from the lakers and the pelicans uh certainly the idea of cousins on a big one-year deal with the lakers to join lebron is an interesting one lebron called him the best big man in the game lebron never my favorite evaluator of talent that was of course before the achilles hair as well and then the lakers in clearing some space have moved or on from tyler ennis who, who was non-guaranteed they also waived thomas brawlett uh six days before his july 5th guarantee day he actually dominated the g league last year uh also a guy who if they had guaranteed him could have been matching salary in a trade i think they're probably just doing him a favor because he probably wasn't going to be in the plan uh they did guarantee avicha zubach however and then even bigger news for the lakers lonzo ball is a torn meniscus he's gonna have surgery uh per shams i don't know when it was that he suffered this uh jeff stott speculated that you know a meniscus can often be incidental to a an mcl injury which he had and then remember he had that bone bruise that happened later he ended up sitting sitting down he tried to rehab it apparently uh there's lavar ball's comments about how he's doing all this like wussy band work with the celebrity trainer that the lakers have gunner peterson uh and how he needed to like pump some real iron and we've seen some photos of lonzo looking a lot more jacked and now he's going to have this meniscus surgery because apparently just hasn't responded the way they wanted so this is a lost summer now for lonzo ball he's got a lot of skill work to do obviously and then you never want to have a surgery this early in your career he, he missed half the year basically last year with injuries while uh just not looking good right now uh, for lonzo ball and and uh i'd be very concerned uh, as a laker fan right now I, I hope he's able to get it together because the guy i like watching and i hope he can get his jumper to where it needs to be but it, it has been a star cross career so far it really would have been nice to see him get in the work for his jump shot this year and one of the big times that you see guys make a jump is between their first and second year because they know what it takes they know what they need to work on and having a torn meniscus is going to make that brutally hard we could transition to a point guard who has dealt with his own knee issues Derek Rose returning to the Minnesota Timberwolves at the minimum so the minimum is certainly a good thing for Minnesota not devastating I do not love the idea of him and Tyus Jones together as the backup guards because Derek Rose needs the ball in his hands I like it with Tyus Jones better and Derek Rose is not good defensively especially if you're gonna have him you know guard twos or whatever so it's not a disaster it's far from that if it had come in at a larger number it would have been a disaster but I just think Minnesota could be more creative could go higher ceiling with their moves this year at the bare minimum yeah maybe this could free them up move on Jones who's actually going to be extension eligible uh, amazingly enough and yeah I I was concerned that this was going to be for more than the minimum but it it, uh was not so uh, that'll help out with some of the Wolves tax concerns just get him at the minimum and then 
Mark Stein reporting that the Wolves will offer Jimmy Butler as kind of a no-brainer, the maximum possible contract extension they can, but that would basically only be a little bit more than $25 million a year. With Butler, I mean, there's going to be so much money around the league next year that he's probably going to get his max just about no matter what happens to him this year, but he does have quite the injury history and has a lot of miles on him as well. So it's something I might consider taking if I were him, but he can also get the 30% max four years over 107, or no, I'm sorry, that would be next summer, four years and $140 million from another team or five years and $189 million from the Wolves. So probably wise for him to wait anyway. And then the Knicks, not a ton going on there. There's talk that the Rangers, Knicks might be spun off of MSG with speculation that that could facilitate the sale of the Knicks. They responded that there are no plans to sell the Knicks and the Rangers, but you know, this would at least make it easier at some point. Dolan has said before what how it's just hell owning the Knicks. Um, and then Steve Mills said in a radio interview with Stephen A. Smith that the Knicks don't plan to give free agent anything longer than one year contracts so they can maintain maximum financial flexibility for the summer of 2019. By the way, there's like three Mac free agents summer of 2019. It is not a particularly special class other than that. Certainly some of these guys will join as they come off of these one year deals. Uh, and supposedly they have some interest in Mario Hazonia. And I'm sure it's only a matter of time before they try to sign Alfred Payton to another Scott Perry favorite back when he was in Orlando. Where else do you want to go here? We're getting pretty close wrapped up. A little bit of bookkeeping. Toronto did not give a qualifying offer to Baby Noguera. They did extend qualifying offers as expected to Fred Van Vliet and then also Nando Ducolo just to pull down to his rights. Mark Stein has reported that anyone on the Raptors roster could be had for the right price. The problem is all of those guys are paid a lot of money and so it becomes a challenge. This is something we dealt with in the mock-off season. And then in Sacramento, Garrett Temple, to the surprise of not many people, opted into his $8 million. That gives Sacramento about $19 million. That's about the number that I have in there to spend for whatever purpose that could be taking on bad money that could be signing players could be signing 40 year old veterans because that's what they did last year uh and one of the rumored targets because they have to stay on brand is zach levine who would just be an awful fit there yeah he would be although it does seem at least like they are going to either use that space take on bad money or at least go for like some higher upside restricted free agents i mean levine does have a high upside i know how much you uh think of his game but he does have that upside i mean his ability to take and make those really hard threes and get out in transition and run a decent pick and roll and get to the basket i mean that he's got such a long way to go he may never get there but he does have some upside they have other twos other twos who are better than them i wouldn't necessarily endorse making that type of an offer uh, on the levine front nick Friedel tweeted that four years 60 million has always felt like the preferred number to the bulls on levine and he said nick said if i'm the bulls i'm not going too much higher than that and then zach levine tweeted a crying emoji back at no the the laughing, laughing the laughing so hard you're crying oh yes right of course that's the uh i told you i have emoji asperger's but the it sounds like it's uh not going to be the easiest negotiation in the world for the bulls but i think they're doing the right thing by waiting him out uh bill duffy his agent is going to have his work cut out for him supposedly there's some interest from atlanta in zach levine as well uh, per vince goodwill yeah the levine trey young defense backcourt wouldn't necessarily be my first choice so uh yeah that seems like one of those one where hey can you just agent calls vince goodwill and says hey can you uh mention that atlanta is interested in like what is interest they called one time and said hey you know what's your number okay you know so wake me up when there's an offer sheet being at this point in memphis omri caspi agreed to a one-year deal with the grizzlies unclear whether that's guaranteed or not i would guess there are some non-guarantees there but and, and that it's also the minimum and we can get to i guess the only other rumor that we have to talk about here is tyreek evans apparently is a candidate for the mid-level exception in new orleans which they've said that they i don't know if they 
said but there have been indications that they plan to use that they also want to keep rondo evans and rondo is a terrible fit together especially if you also have drew holiday i mean if you get evans that really to me you know that's another guy who needs the ball having rondo as well evans trying is shot it great last year but he's more of really an on-ball shooter and you know if you're i would say just don't keep rondo at that point but a big part of what they did last year they're probably i think they're really overrated his contribution but if they use the full mle your roads unless there's a salary dump trade your roads to keeping cousin are reduced and you know boogie maybe he'll get it out with the lakers now on a big one-year deal and the pels with their tax concern maybe they could offer him more than one year they might be the the pels might be the only team that offers demarcus cousin more than one year at above the mle isn't that crazy to think about at this point even coming off the achilles but they might not even yeah, do I mean, that we, if if or, or you know they might offer him like 13 million a year or something if uh they use their full mle yeah and so you want to kind of use a, a delicate balance there of making an offer that is respectful but also you know not selling yourself short because they do have more leverage here than we thought and i think that is a good way to transition into some of the kind of bigger stuff i don't we, we've already talked for over two hours we don't need to, to spend too much time on it but i think one of the biggest losers in this is everyone who who every player who's still on the market i mean this went really really quickly and certainly the best guys are are still going to get paid you know lebron most notably among them but outside of that i mean so i broke this down a little bit on twitter but i said like there's so there were seven teams i didn't count the suns because i i you know wasn't sure on how they were going to clear their stuff out that i had it over 15 million in space if let's count the suns and make it eight dallas phoenix are done indiana is now probably below that threshold they can move above it with certain things but they're probably a little bit below that so then you're down to five the hawks bulls and kings are all probably more in the using it to take on bad money rather than spending on free agents or at the very really at a minimum using it on restricted on restricted free agents so then really if you're an unrestricted guy who wants to make more than mid-level you're either looking at a sign and trade which is unlikely and difficult or you're looking at the lakers or the sixers or your current team if they have bird rights center interest that's it this is going to get really really tight incredibly quickly and that's why we talked about the like where the values are going is just because there are more players left than slots and those slots might not even be that that strong yeah and some of the players you could look at that could be i mean this is great news for the raptors with the suns you know you thought they might be a van vliet destination with no point guard on the roster what the hell they can point guard now uh so it seems like hopefully the raptors can work things out family whether they're willing to pay the tax or not is an interesting one and marcus smart just not going to have a market probably above the mid-level exception i think that his hopes of an out are, are pretty low at this point maybe one of these teams could, could come through gordon the fact that the pacers are, are looking like they're down to about 14 million in space that's big trouble for him jabari where the hell is he gonna go no idea Derek favors doesn't really have anywhere to go except for back to utah kcp avery bradley yeah you know that it's the sixers the lakers are basically there or, or mid-level exception or less tyreek evans maybe he could be a guy who gets more than mid-level but indiana is probably his only out there again you know i think there's probably a lot of guys who are rooting for lebron james to sign with somewhere other than the lakers now so that there's a, they have six million in space that at 25 million in space um yeah it's gonna be tough so um some overall themes we, we've talked about it a lot i think some team dallas denver indiana might have squandered some opportunities by being a little too profligate the suns as well did the Ariza signing good value but it just doesn't really make that much sense and, and it's not like you're getting him for multiple years there either i know there any non-max deals that you've liked so far i think a lot of these have just not been that good for the teams which i it's surprising i mean as tight as we thought the market was going to be the agents and players who are smart enough to just go out and take what was offered 
forward right away here they did well i think um but yeah can you think of a non-max yeah. deal that you liked i think we should exclude the minimum because gerald green at the minimum is sure. certainly a very good deal yeah but outside of that not really i mean joe harris is you know that deal is probably fine ish Ariza, i would like that deal with almost anybody else yeah so that that's a little bit different but no i mean it, it's really crazy and so i had this idea what, what wrote about, about it for real gm oh yeah at davis that's a fine deal yeah, yeah no no problem there um but again i don't love it it's fine you know no no opposition yeah. to it i, I think the but, gay rudy gay is a great deal for the reasons i explained just that they're basically the, the team specific the team yeah, specific they're stuff. getting him and even one year 10 million for him i think he's he can contribute at that level and there's zero opportunity cost the game that was a no-brainer bring back in my opinion for that number they they should feel i thought he was gone when he opted out and they feel very good about that and maybe they had some sort of an understanding at, at that point i mean they very well could have but it's just it's just so remarkable to think about so i i so i where i was going with this is i wrote that piece for real gm on the takeaways from the mock off season and i had this theory that i wasn't sure what we were going to see but that maybe the early moves would look more like 2015 where the market you know when you haven't calibrated the market yet you're either going to get values or you're going to get overpays and so i thought it might be more like 2015 with alfred and the aforementioned ed davis instead it was more like 2016 and 2017 i mean 16 early on you had mozgov and noah which were just these disastrous misreads yeah, of the market i mean no no there aren't really any teams that have like fox all no not entirely it, it's this more to just me is like maybe eh, more, you know maybe you could have done a, well i i think it, the teams are going to realize they could have done a lot better i think okay, yeah you know yeah. that's going to come in and that you know so it's not going to be these aren't you know moves like mozgov and noah where to do that but it's just i think when we see where these markets go teams are going to be sitting there going this player x is either similarly good or slightly worse and he's making half as much money and probably fewer years and we could have gotten that i mean i think mcdermott's gonna end up in that camp where it's like he's not a bad player it's not a horrible contract but we're gonna see other players get I a lot he's less at least got them upside at least young that, it, that one it was just yeah De- and about- De- deandre is there there too for me i mean i think that the margin between deandre and like you know he's certainly better than kylo quinn to be like he's much better but i mean if kylo quinn ends up at the minimum or close to it like can you justify a 20 million dollar difference between those two guys considering everybody else that's going to be on the market and the other crazy part is i don't know who is going to benefit as much from this other than teams some retaining their own guys because nobody can really amass more than maybe one of these contracts there isn't really like maybe it'll be individual teams get one guy that ends up being a really good value but it's not going to be this like team that has 20 million and gets like three guys i that that option just isn't really on the table anymore yeah just so many of these contracts i was just kind of like scratching my head and like hey yes but like this is really the best you could do or like that's kind of a weird fit i mean the ariza one is easily the most shocking to me um for like five different reasons yeah the, the fit the fact that he left houston the fact that it was only for one year the fact that nobody else matched that phoenix offer um and then the, the paul george one obviously just the number of years was shocking to me as well that it ended up being four years not five not three not two uh and what would you say is the worst contract for for teams that was handed out hmm. i mean chris paul could be an albatross but you know that's one that obviously you had to do he's, he's a star yeah that's now. to you me that's like it that's a justifiable yeah. risk yeah but but i mean if we're looking at okay four years from now who's kind yeah, of like the, the most dead money or... on the book but yeah i mean that's you, you can't be like that totally revisionist history like yeah you know it's gonna be a bad contract by the end but they're a championship contender you got it i mean Ilyasova is probably the front runner for me just doesn't make much sense for the team even though that last year is is non-guaranteed just yeah. like where are they going with this it's i think it's the least explicable maybe other than the reason deal but at least a is a, a better basketball player so you can make the the affirmative case 
there that, hey, he's a good player. We're getting him only a one-year contract. So yeah, my first instinct is is to go with Ersanu Usova. I have one I, I, very I think, big picture take. Well, let me answer this. I mean, I think it's a tie between Bellinelli and Ilyasova. I mean, I think Ilyasova is way better than Bellinelli. So the fact that That's it was true. pretty much the same price for the Spurs is pretty sorry. Uh, the fact that the Spurs have like specific teams that they're trying to match up with in theory, if they still have Kawhi Leonard on the team and that he just doesn't help there. And this was their main resource that they had to get better this year. And I would have Ilyasova up there too. I mean, again, there's no, we haven't seen anywhere you're just like, oh my God, 18 million a year for Noah and 60 million a year for Moscow, four years. Like this is going to be legendarily bad. Tim Hardaway, you know, 16 million a year for four years. What the hell are you doing with that offer sheet? You know, we haven't seen any of those that are just like, oh my God, this is going to destroy this franchise. But I do think there's a lot of, of times where a lot of these where you're just like, I really wish they could have done better, especially teams that are good, like the Spurs, the Bucks. I mean, you're a good team and you're one of the few teams that can use nearly the full mid-level exception. Like that should be a powerful tool, especially if you're using it for more than one year when no one wants to give out more than one year in this market. Um, but yeah, you you said you had like one big theme here that you want to talk about. Yeah. So this actually, if we had structured the podcast differently, I would have said at the very beginning, which is with all due respect to the significance of Paul George re-signing in, in, in Oklahoma City, and that is very important. We talked about it like to me, the single biggest winner of the first five hours of free agency is the Golden State Warriors. Big time. Because their biggest rival lost an important player that will be incredibly hard to replace. The kind of potential rising contender that could have been at that level now is not going to have the same ceiling. I mean, their Kawhi, LeBron, Paul George trio is is not going to happen. Philly is not probably not going to be to get to that point. Boston is going to be Boston, and they'll, they'll certainly be a very good team. Now, there is this kind of risk that we have to acknowledge about what happens with Kevin Durant next summer, but the Warriors' odds of winning the 2019 NBA championship, to me, they skyrocketed tonight. And when you consider how many teams have kind of wasted their mid-level have kind of wasted this and again not wasted but maybe could have done a little bit better that now and the Warriors now have access to probably the full mini mid-level they got some more space if they need to re-sign Pat Kaw if they need to re-sign Kevon Looney to, to and they can only go up to 2.2 million for him but you know that was actually going to be painful for them potentially oh also we talked about that idea of like oh maybe the Rockets like they went after in the mock-off season they can't do that now because they have to use the mid-level on on a small forward they have to yeah no I think that's true that the Warriors really are, are the big winners so far here well I think well there's yeah. another big winner yeah that is basically every player that signed a contract in the first right, few hours right, yeah because these are all going to be top of the market or really close to it and a lot of them like I mean Will Barton sure maybe he thinks it oh he's been... a huge winner like he he gambled yeah. and won I mean I'm still you know outcome based decision making I'm not sure that you can say he made the right decision although you know when you're dealing with Denver and you're a free agent they're trying to resign that's a pretty good place to be in apparently but it certainly seems that way yeah but yeah so like you look at a lot of these oh, guys i got another and... big winner for you uh the teams that are trying to take on uh bad money sort of so i i, I i've been thinking about this too so there because the, the supply and demand thing is is interesting but there is not a team to me that is desperately trying to clear money to sign somebody there are teams that are trying to do it to save the bill but from my experience where you really get those big asset returns is the teams that are desperate like oh we need to do that to sign this guy like you could think about the Warriors trading two second round picks to get Andre Guadalla. First round, those sorts first of round. trades, two for yeah, sorry, two first round picks. They also traded like a second something. Anyway, so like those sorts of deals are to me, teams are willing to give up more for that sort of thing as opposed to swallowing hard. You can sometimes get nice returns, but I also don't think we're going to see the twenty eight, the twenty nineteen twenty money like with what's going on with the Knicks and a couple of these other ones. And that's
that's, I think, where the juiciest assets are going to come from. So I think those teams will do well, but I'm not sure that the like real golden assets are going to be in this. They'll do, you know, they'll get late first, that sort of thing. But I don't think we're going to see like a lottery pick unless it's like the Nuggets don't make the playoffs, that sort of thing. Yeah, well, there's also, I think, the fact that nobody really seems like they're going to have any money for restricted guys except those teams. And then that the Nuggets are just like, they have to get rid of $20 million, basically. Now, I mean, there's just, there's no way around it at this point for the Nuggets. And they they are going to feel that pressure because if you go into the season, unless there are teams that just hold on to $20 million going into the season, which is almost never happens, the Nuggets, like, you can make a trade to reduce your tax bill a little bit, but the time to get rid of that amount of money is this summer before the team spend it on something else. And especially with the Bulls, with Levine and his cap hold, once he gets signed, they lose some of that ability to take on salaries as well. All right, can we wrap up here? Um, I guess we should promote our Patreon again, patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue. Every, we're going to be on it. Liam is helping out. Every time a signing happens, we basically, we're about 20 minutes delay at most, tweeting out what their salary cap structure looks like, real-time updates as, as close as we can get to them of what the salary cap room around the league looks like. We have a little, you know, a few sentences of analysis a lot of times on some of these signings just in terms of what the what it does to their cap and of course with that you get our mailbag podcast that we just did touching on free agency but a lot of other stuff as well so patreon.com slash duncan larue follow me on twitter at nate duncan nba if you don't for some reason or danny at danny larue and also i recommend my nba newsbreakers list which if you're worried about fake accounts or there's just so many tweets you can't even keep up the newsbreakers list gets basically every signing but it's about as lean as you can and, and every you know some important cap tweet and other than that you're getting pretty lean so you're not gonna be overwhelmed with information but you can get everything and you avoid the fake accounts as well so uh i think that can wrap us up here thanks again for listening and we'll be back with another one of these marathon episodes tomorrow i never thought we'd have any, this many signings today but hopefully we'll see it again tomorrow till then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.